Usually I do some kind of greeting on here before I jump into the podcast topic, but I want to just get into it today. Is that okay with you? This topic has been burning and brewing in my soul for a few years, actually, and I think I'm ready to just start talking about it. So this is definitely going to be an overview, kind of surface level view of cholesterol. I was introduced to cholesterol medicines or statins when I was really young. My father had his first heart attack when he was 42. I mean, I was 11 years old at this time. He always had high cholesterol. And from that point on, I was always scared of cholesterol, honestly. Then I remember my mother talking one time about how the doctor said some people have genes or genetic coding that make people make cholesterol. And my dad had that gene. After all, All of the men and some of the women on his side of the family all were on cholesterol medicine or were on their second, third, fourth, or fifth heart attacks by this time. So that must mean that I have this gene too. Now I'm air quoting gene because we all have this gene to make cholesterol. I'll get into that here in just a little bit. But all of my childhood through just a few years ago, I was scared of cholesterol and something didn't sit right with me. Usually when we're scared of something, it's an indication of something is off, right? When we're scared or fearful of something, something is off. So something didn't sit right with me when it came to cholesterol medicines. The premise of taking cholesterol medicines is or was to prevent heart incidences, right? The medical community now says if you start taking cholesterol medicine in your 30s or even in your 20s because you're predisposed to it or already have high cholesterol, then you need to be on a statin or cholesterol medicine like Lipitor. It's a life sentence almost to being connected to that Lipitor for the rest of our lives. But again, something didn't sit right with me because for something that is supposed to prevent a heart incident, it has never prevented an incident in my family or those I know. They still have heart attacks or strokes or all-cause mortality. So when I joined the Nutritional Therapy Association for schooling, my questions started to be answered. Cholesterol is not to be feared. We need cholesterol. And in fact, we need it so much that all bodies create cholesterol if we don't eat enough in the day. If our bodies make it, it must be vital to survival, right? Exactly. But before we go into more about cholesterol, I wanted to share some more about my private network. The Wilderness of Wellness is a social network that isn't like anything else you already utilize. It is a place for you to address your mental health, accountability, support for all of your wellness needs like digestion, bloating, menstrual issues, libido, weight loss, weight maintenance, food sensitivity, thyroid problems, anxiety, depression, ADHD, abdominal discomfort or pain, bladder issues, bloating, chronic fatigue, constipation or diarrhea, fevers, eye inflammation, flu-like symptoms, gallbladder issues, gassiness, insomnia, leaky gut, blood pressure issues, muscle and joint pain, skin rashes or sores, nausea, grinding teeth, weak immunity, and so much more. I own all of the content on this platform and it is not filtered or monitored by an outside source. We help you. The Team CIMC helps you through weekly Q&A sessions with a practitioner, twice monthly mental health group therapy sessions, an activity feed much like how Facebook runs, where you can post, get help, share, and build community, private spaces or groups, a workout app with trainer support, and tons of resources. Think of COVID support protocols, post-COVID protocols, and actually all of my courses and so much more. You can get access to this for just $49.99 a month. If you want to know more or want to join, you're going to click the link down below in the show notes. If you don't know where the show notes are, just kind of grab your screen and scroll upwards and you'll see it at the bottom and there's the link. I hope to see you there soon. All right, let's go into why we need cholesterol and what it actually does. The truth of the matter is that fat 
is the primary source of energy for the heart. Did you hear that? The heart wants fat for its source of energy. But what about all the ads in the American Heart Association tell us to eat low fat, Danielle? Low fat, no fat. Well, we'll get there. Again, all my resources will be linked below in the show notes because I realize this is going to kind of blow the minds of some of you. I want you to think about something. Remember, we are told to eat low fat for our heart health. And yet, what do they tell us to take when we have high triglycerides or high cholesterol? Fish oil. Fish oil is a fat, an essential fat, mind you, meaning that we cannot make this fat ourselves. It has to be gotten from an outside source. It is an essential fatty acid. And fatty acids are essential to the part of the cell membranes that make up the tissues of the heart and the coronary arteries. So the membrane is like the cell wall. And we want that cell membrane or cell wall. Cell walls are for plants and cell membranes are for humans and mammals. But cell membranes have to be strong enough, but not so loosey-goosey that it can stand firm and not be so firm that it allows nutrients in and out and the cell poop to come in and out, okay? Yes, your cells actually poop if you didn't know that. That's a fun fact. But we also learn that fish oil or our omegas are known to fight inflammation. Let's take this further. If we're fighting inflammation with these essential fatty acids, then we must have an inflammation problem that can be in our hearts too, right? Just keep thinking about this. If we're taking this that reduces inflammation, except we're told to eat low fat, we're told to eat no fat, we're told to eat cholesterol free, and yet we still need fat for our heart and we need fat to help with inflammation. Okay, inflammation is now considered to be a major contributing factor to heart disease, not fat intake, not fat intake. In the Journal of American College of Nutrition from 2001, again, I'll be linking my sources down in the show notes, they shared during the past several decades, reduction in fat intake has been the main focus of national dietary recommendations. In the public's mind, the word dietary fat has become synonymous with obesity and heart disease, whereas the words low fat and fat free have become synonymous with heart health. In response to the low fat campaign, the food industry has produced numerous commercial products labeled as low fat or fat free, but with high amounts of refined carbohydrates and sugar. Ironically, while dietary fat intake As a percentage of energy intake has declined in the U.S., over the years, total caloric intake has not declined. And the prevalence of obesity and type 2 diabetes has grown dramatically. So the problem, there is an inconsistency with eating low fat or no fat with the increase of obesity and type 2 diabetes, which is also a form of inflammation and inability to use our stored energy, our stored fat. So what we see here is that there's a correlation in low fat and fat free and an increase in obesity and type 2 diabetes. But how can that be when we are eating so healthy now? Well, the thing is with these low fat and fat free options, they usually increase the carbohydrates with something man-made to make sure it still tastes palatable. More carbs equals more calories. They have to replace the calories from fat sources that were taken out of these foods like yogurts and milks and things and then add something in to make it tastes better. So they have to add more calories in to make it taste better. And those calories are coming from man-made processed things that aren't even found natural. Like it's taken yogurt, for example. And I will be the first to tell you I do eat some that's no fat yogurt, no fat Greek yogurt for other reasons. But the no fat Greek yogurt, they take out the fat, which then it becomes no longer palatable, honestly, and the consistency is just off and stuff. So they have to add fillers to it to make it taste better and make it the right consistency, which is no longer technically Greek yogurt, right? So they have to add 
things back in to make things taste better. And thus there's more calories and imbalanced calories, quite frankly. This idea also hits on something else though. The fact that we are easily sold on easy swaps or a pill. So we don't have to change the behaviors behind why we eat what we eat or why we eat too much of things. Like, oh, I'll just take a statin. You know, I can still eat my wings every weekend. I can still eat my fried tenderloins. I can still, yes, I talk about tenderloins all the time. Yes, I can eat my donuts every day or I can do whatever every day because I have a pill that is going to help me. There's always a reason why we eat too much and a reason we want to have the freedom to be gluttonous. I'm going to repeat that. There's always a reason why we eat so much or eat too much of certain foods. And there is a reason we want to have the freedom to be gluttonous. I'm just throwing that out there. And I'm also going to say in here before I even forget, the reason why statins have become an issue and a thought thing to me is that statins actually deplete your body of multiple minerals. I actually have a post on Instagram about this. I'll have to go find that. Statins deplete your body of multiple minerals, one of those being magnesium. Most of us live in a high stress life. Most of us don't sleep well. Most of us eat highly processed foods. Most of us are already depleting our bodies of magnesium anyway. So when statins are taking magnesium out of you, then you're already down this huge mineral that does so many things, but one of the things it does is it helps the muscles to contract and relax. Our heart is a muscle. It needs to be able to contract and relax in order to pump blood. Just thinking about that. And if statins deplete your body of magnesium, you're already struggling to keep magnesium because of your lifestyle. It makes a vicious circle here. Okay. So if we're talking about fat and I'm trying to make the case here that it's not fat's fault for heart disease. So let's move into what is linked to heart disease, and that is trans fats. It is linked. A higher intake of trans fat can be contributed to increased risk of coronary heart disease through multiple mechanisms. First, trans fatty acids raise LDL cholesterol levels and lower HDL cholesterol compared to unsaturated fatty acids. Second, trans fats increase LDL particle numbers, which are positively associated with the risk of a heart incident. High intake of trans fats may promote insulin resistance in humans. This is information also found in that same journal of American College of Nutrition from 2001. But trans fats, Danielle, I thought that they were outlawed and the foods I say trans fat free. While that may be the case, you can actually create trans fats. Did you know that? If you cook with the wrong oils or at too high of a temperature, you can create a trans fat. Yeah, yeah, you can. Did you know that oil that is clearish yellow and has no smell can actually create trans fats, even though it's got a little heart label on it that says heart healthy? Did you know your margarine is associated with a 50% increase in heart disease? Thus, there has to be trans fats happening somewhere, right? Did you know high consumption of hydrogenated vegetable oils raises serum cholesterol? Yet butter, beef, pork, lamb, this consumption did not increase your risk. Cookies, white bread does. This source is from Lancet of March 1993. And yes, I said 1993 because I thought that was important to denote that in 1993, when I was already being exposed to heart disease and diabetes and all these things in my life, that's when this low fat, fat free movement started. It actually started like in the late 70s, I believe it was technically, but it entered my life in the early 90s. And this data has been out there for multiple decades now. And yet we're still struggling to see past how the low fat, fat free life, like how we have been marketed for that 
and that it's not helping anything. So I'm trying to make a case not to be scared of fat. And here is why. Because fat is where we get our cholesterol, right? So cholesterol is required to build and maintain membranes. Remember our cellular membrane? Integral in modulating membrane fluidity. Remember I told you about the nutrients going in and out of that membrane. Converted in the liver to make bile. To emulsify our fatty acids so we can absorb our minerals and fat-soluble vitamins A, D, E, and K. It's a precursor to vitamin D. In fact, the cholesterol that's in our skin, when you're outside, that's how our body creates vitamin D, is when you're outside in the sun and the sun's rays hit your skin, the cholesterol in there is what actually creates vitamin D in your body. It's actually a hormone, if you did not know. Cholesterol is a precursor to all your steroid hormones, including cortisol, aldosterone, progesterone, and all of the estrogens and testosterone. So again, we said cholesterol is essential to the body. Your body is going to make it. But why does cholesterol get such a bad reputation? Cholesterol is part of our immune system as well. It is a sticky substance that protects immune cells that go to heal a wound. So let's think about it. If you've fallen and scraped your elbow or shin or some piece of skin, I was a softball player in high school and I'd have some scrapes and scarfs up on my body when I slid into a base, usually home because I am not a fast runner. I'm not one of the fastest runners out there. And I'd have some kind of open skin wound usually after a game. As the days passed, my skin was healing. And as my skin was healing, there's this almost white pussy substance show up on the edges and sometimes even over the center of the wound if I kept it covered. That white stuff is actually cholesterol bringing the healing white blood cells to the area. Same thing happens with any inflamed and weakened area inside the body. Your body wants to take white blood cells and help heal you in those areas. The more inflammation and weakness that needs healed, the more cholesterol will be sent to that area because you need more cells to heal. The more you have in your body that is inflamed, the more cholesterol that will be made to provide for that area or for those inflammation areas. Remember, your body is always geared to survive. Even if you eat zero cholesterol, your body is inflamed, you will make cholesterol just for that, let alone to make your hormones and all the other things that make the body function as we just discussed. Cholesterol got a bad reputation because it was caught at the scene of the crime. The question wasn't posed, why is the cholesterol here? No, it has to be the cholesterol's fault. So the way we reduce our cholesterol is to address the inflammation in the body and why the inflammation is there. Don't necessarily just go and take a statin. Now, some really good doctors out there are going to say, you know what, we can get this cholesterol down if you would just not eat fried foods and if you would go and exercise. And that is absolutely the truth. But how many of us don't want to do that? How many of us don't want to give up our crappy food, our alcohol, all and not moving during the day? Most of us don't want to do that. And so the doctors give the stands. I'm pro-doctor, I'm pro-holistic, I'm pro-whole overarching approach to your health, not just one way or the other solely, because sometimes we do need the cholesterol medicine to help get us down. Maybe we do need some things. But to back up the doctors a little bit here, some of the really good doctors, they will give you the cholesterol medicine to keep you alive. Think about that. They're not doing it for the long haul. They're doing it because you're choosing to continue to make poor decisions. Cholesterol balance can be controlled with diet and exercise in your lifestyle. Heart disease 
cannot necessarily be reversed, but it can be maintained and controlled by your diet and your lifestyle. Your blood sugar, if you have type 2 diabetes or you're in the way of type 2 diabetes, it can be prevented, reversed, and controlled without medicine. It can be. But the doctors give the medicine because people don't want to put in the work. And that's exactly it. They'll complain about the price of insulin. They'll complain about the price of their Lipitor or all the other things, but yet they won't change their lifestyle. They won't put in the effort of preventative health. Instead, they'll do reactive health because we have insurance for that, right? So we could go into a whole nother topic about that. So the way we reduce cholesterol is to address the inflammation in the body and why the inflammation is there. Inflammation and risk can be due to your lack of hydration, you sitting too much during the day, your diet of processed foods, your diet of imbalanced foods at mealtimes, alcohol, your use of low fat, no fat products, sickness, illness, not lifting heavy weights in a progressive overload, high fructose corn syrup, leaky gut, elevated triglycerides. You can mitigate that with infection, hypothyroidism, and genetics. The Wilderness of Wellness provides you all the resources you need to help manage and balance your cholesterol levels so that you can reduce your risk of a heart episode. If you don't know my story, I was introduced to heart disease when I was just 11, when my dad had his first heart attack at age 42. I'm currently 37. I have every excuse to be on my way to my first heart attack too, but I'm not. You see, genes, we cannot change, but we can control what genetic coding turns on and turns off by our habits and decisions and behaviors. This is called epigenetics, and I am living proof that epigenetics is true. I'm not on cholesterol medicine, nor am I diabetic when according to my genes, I should be. And you can reverse, improve, and also choose to not be a statistic as well. Thank you for listening to the Crying in My Cheesecake podcast. I'd appreciate it if you would rate this podcast at five stars and even leave a review. By doing these things, it helps my podcast be seen by others who want this same kind of content. You can screenshot this episode that you're listening to and share it on your social media and share something you got from this episode. Tag me at Crying in My Cheesecake so I can see where you're listening from. As always, I'm grateful that you're here. Until next time. this episode, you can support the show by buying Danielle a virtual cup of coffee. Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash CIMC.